Hey, if you guys don't know me, my name is Mark. I preached last week and told you guys I was preaching again this week, told you to find a better church. I question your judgment. You're back. Um, hey, um, we're going to continue this morning. Hey, let's give it up for, uh, for Anthony and, and these guys. Some um, I think, uh, I think we are a spoiled people um, that, uh, that our whole band could, could go away for a week and, and we get the privilege of sitting under that kind of leadership. So that's a gift. Hey, we're going to continue what we started last week, Luke chapter 15, okay? Um, if you weren't here, I'm going to quickly just recap what we talked about last week, okay? Okay, we started last week talking about the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, and the wee little man was he, and he climbed up in the sycamore tree. And we talked about the fact that he brought nothing to the table. Nothing except sin, but Jesus found him. Jesus sought him out and called him by name because Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. We talked about the fact that we all share that same starting point with Zacchaeus. We're lost. But lostness is the common denominator in all of us until we find Christ. We also talked about the the fact that we also share another trait, that we are kind of like sheep. We like to wander off. And the Bible says all of us do it, and we look for our own way. And when we find it, it doesn't lead to a good place. Then we flipped over to Luke chapter 15 and we talked about these three stories that Jesus told in this chapter. Three parables about lost things. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And we focused on the lost son, the prodigal. Hey, I learned something this week. Have you learned anything this week? I hope so. I learned something. I... I didn't know what prodigal meant. What do you think it means? Somebody say, what do you think prodigal means? Are you serious? Wandered away. away. That's what I thought. Anybody else think that? When you hear it, you think wanderer? That's not what it means. You know what it means? It means wasteful. Prodigal means wasteful. Yeah, he did wander away, but he wasted his inheritance. He wasted all the blessings of God. Guys, does that hurt a little bit? When you think about your own life, and you think about all that God's given you, all the blessing upon blessing upon blessing, and what we've done with it, I didn't know that. I always just thought he was just a wanderer. It's the wasteful son. Guys, I could go back and re-preach last week, but I'm not. But I learned that, and it it really did hurt me. Warren Wiersbe says this about wastefulness. Somebody in this room needs to hear this today. You can't enjoy the things that money can buy if you ignore the things that money cannot buy. Doesn't matter how much money you have, you cannot enjoy it if you ignore the things that money cannot buy. We talked about the fact that the prodigal came to himself and he repented. 
He turned and he went back home to the Father. And the Father received him with grace and forgiveness. Not with condemnation, not with judgment, not with I told you so. He actually threw a party, put his best robe, his own robe on him, put a ring on his finger, and restored him. And that's where we left it last week. Okay, So now you're caught up. So I told you last week, this week we were going to talk about the rest of the story the older son. And we can find it in Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 32. Are you ready? Hey, it's so great to see you guys sitting together. I'm so glad you guys had a great week. Prayed for you all week. Guys, pandemic has been awful. Can we agree? But for students, I think it's been especially awful. Because you guys were robbed of some some time you're just not going to get back. And I pray that God restored some of that this week. And that this can be some energy that leads you forward. Luke chapter 15, chapter 25. And this is what the word says. This is right after God restored, or the father restored the son and they threw the party. Now his older brother, his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him? Notice the exclamation point. I don't think this was a calm conversation. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this brother, your brother, was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. Guys, the title for today's sermon is this. Hypocrisy, hiding in plain sight. Hypocrisy, hiding in the light of day. Right out in the open. See, God cares more about the inside of the cup than the outside of the cup. In the book of Matthew, talking to the scribes and Pharisees, he told them, guys, you're like whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You make the outside look great, but you don't care about the filth that's inside you. This is the same point. It's subtle. You have to look beneath the surface to see it but it's just as ugly. Last week, I don't think we talked about the context of these parables. I feel bad about that because that's my thing. Every time I get up here, I pretty much say, hey, the context of this is this. Okay, the context is really simple in this one, and we find it in the first three verses of this chapter. So go to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, and this is what it says. 
Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. And then he started telling the scribes and the Pharisees these three stories. So he's talking to religious leaders, religious people of the day, people who thought they were better than everyone else, that were grumbling about the fact that Jesus was hanging out with people who were broken. Okay? We all understand the context. He told these three stories to make the point to these religious leaders about how God feels about people who are lost. People who have lost their way. People who have made mistakes. People who, who, who don't know Him. So he told them three, these three stories. The scribes and the Pharisees probably didn't realize when he started telling these stories that they would be in one of the stories. But they were. They were going to find out later that they were, in fact, the elder brother. I want to give you four spiritual truths for today, okay? Four things that I think we can learn from looking at the attitudes of the older brother, okay? The first one is this, that rebellion shows itself in a multitude of ways. See, last week it was pretty easy to look at the younger brother. I think all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, can relate to the younger brother. You know, that's those seasons of our lives, and some of us might still be in those seasons where we just, we're about ourselves. We would rather have the blessings of God than the presence of God, and we would just want to go and do our own thing. We want freedom. We want space. We want to make our own choices, make our own way, think we have a better idea. Can anyone relate? Can somebody say amen? That's easy, right? We can all relate to that. But when we start looking at the older brother, we find out that rebellion shows itself in a multitude of ways. See, the scribes and the Pharisees, I don't think, minded or took much offense to the first two stories. Talking about the shepherd leaving the 99 and going to find the one, I don't think that probably offended them. Talking about the woman who had lost, had ten coins and lost one, and her searching for it, I don't think they found that so offensive. And even this first part, the first half of this story, when Jesus is just kind of talking about how bad the younger brother's behavior was. I don't think they really minded that because they were rule followers. They were legalists. They thought you earned your way to God. So I think they're still pretty much tracking with, okay, okay, I've heard worse stories. Keep talking. But then he scripts, he he flips the script because when the father received him back, and forgave him, although he didn't do anything to deserve it, they probably thought, hmm, I probably got their attention. Because if you're a legalist, and if you're a behavior modification kind of person, and you're the, you're the moral police, and you see, you see people getting good things when they deserve bad things, it gets your attention, right? That's who these people were. That's who Jesus was talking to. But then, when Jesus started talking about this older son, I think they knew. That was their aha moment. Oh, you're talking about me. 
So what was he talking about? See, the older brother had a, a lot of admirable qualities. He was, he was consistent. Would we, would we agree that's good? He, he was consistent. You could count on him to do what he said he was going to do. He was, he was diligent. He was obedient. But these are not the only tests of one's true character. Because you can do all those things on the outside and on the inside be doing them for all the wrong reasons. My prayer over this church, over the church, is that we would become a people who were those things on the outside, but on the inside, our motives matched up with what we're doing on the outside. Are there any pleasers in the room? You just want people to like you? I mean, you were a good student. You always did your homework. You tried to make good grades. You wanted the report card to be good because you wanted your parents to be happy. And as long as they were happy, it didn't matter that you were dying on the inside. Jesus came to, to give you life. And life to the full. Not to, to keep up appearances so that people looked at you a certain way. And you earned favor. See, the, the kingdom of God is not about earning anything. It's about grace that's given freely because God chooses to. Anybody remember Jeff Foxworthy? I'm old, so I remember him very well. But some of you guys, do you guys? Are, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Did you ever watch that? Still nothing. I am so socially irrelevant. Brock tells me this all the time. All these rap references and stuff. I, I just, okay, so anyway, Jeff Foxworthy. He had this thing where he would say, what would he say? You might be a redneck if. You still don't know what I'm talking about, do you? Okay. Let, let me give you some examples, okay? This is not my stuff. This is Jeff Foxworthy stuff, okay? If you've ever cut your grass and found a car, you might be a redneck. Okay, here's another one. If your dad walks you to school because you're in the same grade, you might be a redneck. Are there any rednecks in here that I'm offending? And I could, I could go on. Has, it, if it, has anyone ever come to your door and knocked on it thinking you were having a yard sale? You might be a redneck. These are the kind of things that he would say. If you go to a family, a family reunion to meet women... You might be a redneck. Okay, so this, this is not my stuff. I'm not making the... This is for someone in the room, and I'm not going to say who it is. If you, see, if you see a sign that says, say no to crack, and it reminds you to pull your jeans up, you might be a redneck. 
Okay, so enough of, enough of that. This is what the game is, and it's not nearly as funny, okay? But as we look at these characteristics of the older brother, if you see these things in your life, you might be the older brother. If you see these things, these attitudes, because they're subtle, and they don't seem so evil on the outside, but on the inside, they might be eating you alive. If you see any of these things in your, in your life, you might be the older brother. And I'm just, I'm, there's a list of them, and it's not all-inclusive. You read it. You look kind of beneath the surface and see the things that you see in the older brother. And do this. Don't be that way. Okay? That's kind of, when we get to the end of this, we don't want to be this guy. Okay? The first one I see is indifference. Indifference. He couldn't care less about his father or his brother. When his brother left, we see nothing about him doing anything to stop him, to give any kind of older brother advice. When he came back, we know how he acted, right? Listen to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 28. These are Jesus' words just five chapters earlier. And he says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to a test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Love God and love your brothers. Love the Father. Love your brothers. The elder brother broke both of those commandments. He couldn't care less about the Father because he didn't love the things the Father loved. Let that sink in a little bit. How much do we love the things that God loves versus loving the things that we love? The elder brother didn't care about the father. He, he might have stayed with the father, but he didn't love the things the father loved because when the, father, when the son came back and the father wanted to celebrate, he wanted no part of it. He definitely didn't love his brother. He didn't love others his brother being found and alive meant nothing to him. He was indifferent. Guys, sometimes the worst thing we can do for the kingdom is to do nothing. To just see it and turn our head and be indifferent about it. First characteristic I see in this guy's life that we don't want is indifference. The second thing, he stayed for the wrong reasons. He stayed thinking works would earn him favor with the Father when he already had favor with the Father. He stayed, but for the wrong reasons. Guys, there are a lot of people that go to church, that do churchy things for the wrong reasons we got to check our motives. Why are we doing what we're doing? Just staying, just being here, just being consistent is not enough. 
The next thing I see is the anger at the father's decisions. Who was he to tell the father that he couldn't forgive and receive his son? Who are we to look at God and say, I deserve a better deal in my life. Why, why would you do this, God? Why is, it, why is that person getting ahead and I'm still stuck here? That's older brother mentality. Another thing I see in the older brother is envy and jealousy. Making things about you that aren't about you. Guys, that's so easy for us to do, isn't it? To, to see something going on. that we Something beautiful happening for someone else, but we make it about us. And we refuse to join the party. We refuse to join the celebration. Another thing I see in the older brother is self-righteousness. Self-righteousness. He said this to the father... Can you imagine you saying this to God? These many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed you. (laughs) How did the father not laugh? Never? You've never disobeyed me. Self-righteousness. You know what self-righteousness leads to? The judgment of others. He also did that. He was quick to point out the sin of the younger brother, but this son who devoured your property with prostitutes. Let's talk about him. You forgave him? See, pointing out the sins of others while refusing to acknowledge your own cripples the church. It cripples the advance of the gospel. We'll talk about that a little more later. But here's something that I read that I found really interesting. I got this from Ken Geyer's book, Moments with the Savior. He had this quote about this passage. He says, Why the younger son in the parable wants to leave home, we are not told. We don't know. But maybe it's because he's had enough of his straight-laced brother. Maybe... He's had enough of his critical attitude. Maybe he had enough of his condescending looks and his cutting remarks. Guys, do you? I couldn't even fathom a guess as to how many people have left the church because church people acted like that. They saw the rebellion in someone else and they were self-righteous and they judged what the other people did, and it drove them away from the Father. Selfishness. Me-centered living. Seeing the world only through your narrow lens. Only thinking about yourself when given the opportunity to embrace a celebration that you're invited to. Demanding yours when you want it rather than trusting God to provide in His timing. 
I mentioned this already, but just refusing to celebrate what the Father celebrates. The last two really kind of get me. Unforgiveness. I've preached on this a lot of times. Begging you. Begging you. Whatever bitterness that you have in your heart towards anyone, let it go because you're the prisoner. Not them. The older son didn't forgive his father and he didn't forgive his brother. And this one kind of scares me. This is kind of, I would call this the Lieutenant Dan point. This is, even if you don't have any legs, shimmying up the mast of the sailboat in the midst of a storm and screaming at the top of your lungs to God, is that all you got? The audacity to tell the Father what He hasn't done for you when He's already done everything for you. He said, you never even gave me a young goat so I could have a party with my friends. We'll talk about that here in a second, but that was a stupid thing to say. Number one, sorry, stupid's a bad word. You shouldn't say that. Kids rock's over there, so, so we're okay. All those things. And you could probably come up with more. Just from those verses about the attitude of this brother who just refused to join a celebration and forgive his brother. Rebellion comes in a lot of different ways. You don't have to go to a far country to do it. You don't have to waste your inheritance on prostitutes and, and just reckless living. You can wreck your train right where you are. Right there when the, when the Father is... You have full access to Him. Second spiritual truth I'm going to share about this is that true love goes and seeks and tries to help. True love, real love, will never do nothing. See, in the first parable in Luke 15, the shepherd left the 99 to find the one, right? In the second parable, the woman looked until she found the lost coin. In this third parable, the father represents God. And God knows everything. So God gave him freedom just like he gives us freedom to make our own choices. But he never stopped watching. He never stopped looking, right? He was looking and when the sun was far off, he saw him coming, right? But the older brother, what did he do? Absolutely nothing. He did absolutely nothing. He seems to have known what his brother had been doing. Because he was judging his sin, right? And he hadn't even gone into the party. He likely knew about the famine in the far country. He likely knew that his brother had wasted all his money. And he was probably kind of self-satisfied. Like, oh, finally. You get what you deserve. Yet the story tells us nothing about 
him doing anything to, to try to prevent his brother from leaving in the first place. It tells us nothing about him going to the far country to try to help. And we know he was angry when his brother came home. Let me ask you a question. Who of you, anyone in this room, if someone you love is making awful decisions, is just going to sit there and do nothing? Just nothing. Go. If you want to do it, do it. Not lift a finger to help, but yet claim to be the perfect servant of the Father. This part of the story sickens me. When we love people and they are in crisis, we show up. Right now, I have a I have a lot of brothers in a far country in crisis. Can't get to them. Can't can't do any of the things we've traditionally done to help. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we've been doing work in Haiti for a long time. We talked. We prayed for Haiti last week. Since, since that prayer, Hippolyte's wife's mother died. The president was assassinated. The borders are shut down. Our children's minister, Lauren Roberts, is stuck in country. There are many people in this room that have families that they don't know how they're going to get food. Or when they'll get food. Guys, I don't know what to do. I might do the wrong thing. I might have to put myself at risk to do it. But we're going to do something. Do you understand? Love does something. The older brother in this story couldn't care less. He did nothing. Love goes and seeks because Jesus came to seek and save, right? And we are to continue His work. Guys, if you do this in your own life, and I'm not saying, I'm not get, trying to get you fired up about Haiti. I'm trying to get you fired up about the people in your life that are in crisis. That for whatever reason you think they've gone too far, they're unsavable, and you're not going to do anything anymore. I'm saying that is not the heart of Jesus. The heart of Jesus says, go do something. You might get taken advantage of. You might get hurt. You might lose some things. You might not know what to do. But real love does something. Do something. Spiritual truth number three is this. That the older son had access to everything the father offered the whole time. And he refused to acknowledge it. Why would I say that? In verse 31, he said it. God's, the Father said it. He says, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But if we go back to verse 12, where the younger son asked for his money, his inheritance, guess what the Word says? 
Quote, and he, the father, divided his property between them. He had already gotten his inheritance. Practically everything the father owned was already his. In that culture, the older son got twice what everyone else got. This son already had access to the father's presence, to the father's blessings, but he was so legalistic. He he kept his head down thinking he had to earn it. And he was joyless. And he was selfish and all those other things that we talked about. He was so caught up in legalism, appearances. He didn't realize that he had favor from the Father just based on grace alone. Guys, there's some of you today here that just need to stop beating yourself up. Stop thinking about all the ways that you failed and think about the grace of God and let gratitude well up in you and inspire you to live in out of gratitude, not obligation. Everything about the older son was about obligation and he was joyless. The last thing I'm going to say, and then Anthony's going to come back up. Last spiritual truth, number four. The father responded exactly the same to both sons. But the outcome was drastically different. The father responded exactly the same way. He finished finished talking to the younger son by saying, my son who 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 was dead is now alive. He's lost. Now he's found. And after the older son yells at him and accuses him and refuses to go in and all this stuff, the father says... In verse 32, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For your father, for your brother was dead and he's alive. He was lost and is found. Don't miss verse 28 either. When the son refused to go in, it says the father entreated him. The father begged him to come in. Is it possible that there are some of you in this room That the Father is begging you, come in. Join the party. Join the celebration. And you're refusing? See, the Father had the last word in the story. So we don't know how the older son responded. Because it just ends like that. Right? But we do know this. We do know that, that Jesus was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And we do know that they never came in. They never, they never responded. In fact, they, they plotted schemes to try and crucify Jesus. They were the masterminds behind the whole thing, like the older brother. They, didn't, they, they chose not to come in and join the celebration. The celebration that was based on forgiveness. Also notice this. Everyone mentioned in Luke chapter 15, every single person mentioned in these three stories that Jesus told ended up experiencing joy. The shepherd who found the sheep, the woman who found the coin, the prodigal who came home, the father, even the friends that all got to join in the celebration. Every single person experienced joy except for one. The older son. And you know why? 
because he never repented. He never acknowledged his sin and turned from it and went back to the Father. He refused to go in. Guys, all it takes to restore fellowship with God is to repent, to turn from it, and go back to Him if you know Him. If you've never met Him, just receive the grace that Jesus died to give you. See, rebellion comes in many shapes and sizes. But the grace of God is big enough to cover all of it. Not just the big nasty ones that the younger son did in public, but even the private ones that live in the hearts and the souls of every person that's ever lived, including you. His grace is big enough for you. Don't be lost. Get on the found side. Come home. Let's pray together. Father, my prayer is that there's someone in this room, just like there was one of our students at camp last week, that accepted that invitation. God, most of my sermons are to the church, and in large part, this was to people who already know you, who are already sons of, and daughters of the Father, but maybe there's some people in here that aren't in the family yet. Father, if that's the case, I pray that they would, they would come to you today. They would just accept that, that gift of grace. And for, for all those sons and daughters who, who are, might be prodigals and might just be wasting your blessings, I pray that they would come home. But for all of the rest of us that, that maybe are staying for the wrong reasons, maybe we could get a heart adjustment and we could start staying for the right reasons. And that's my prayer in Jesus' name. Let's worship in response.